Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to The Kickoff brought to you by TickPick. I'm your host, Dan Harris. With me is my part-time producer and just a much better human than Brendan Clinton Ho. It is Tuesday. It is time to talk waivers. So after we get through the news and notes, we're going to get to my top 10 waiver wire pickups for this week. But before we do, let's talk about TickPick and how they do not charge service fees. And instead, they just guarantee the best prices on tickets to NFL games. What is a guarantee? A guarantee means that if you can find better prices for tickets on any other site, TickPick's going to give you 110% of the total purchase price and no service fees, right? You're like, eh, whatever. It's a huge deal. It is the worst part about buying tickets from other providers. TickPick has saved their users over $55 million. Now they've teamed up with Zip that allows you to buy now and pay later for all your tickets. Just choose Zip at checkout. Split your ticket purchase into four installments. Download the TickPick app. Use the code PROS for $10 off your first order when you select ZIP at checkout. Again, that's code PROS, $10 off your first order when you download the TickPick app and select ZIP at checkout. All right, as always, let's get to the news and notes before we get into my top 10 waiver wire pickups. It begins with Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster having shoulder surgery and is going to be out for the remainder of the 2021 season. We said on yesterday's show that he was droppable. That obviously remains the case now. We'll see where he ends up next year in terms of his dynasty value. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to miss a few weeks with an MCL sprain suffered on Sunday night's loss to the Bills. That's not a huge surprise here, and this is going to factor into waivers without question, as we will discuss in mm, about five minutes. Kenny Galladay is going to miss week six with his knee injury, but he shouldn't be out more than a week or two. It seemed like Galladay's injury was minor, and so it is, but who knows who is going to be suiting up on that Giants offense next week. That's especially true because Saquon Barkley reportedly suffered a low ankle sprain and he is going to miss week six. After that, he's considered week to week. Everything I've heard does not suggest that Barkley is going to miss significant amount of time. So hopefully it is just a one week thing. Mike Vrabel would not commit to Julio Jones practicing on Wednesday. There is nothing we can do but wait and see here when Jones is going to return to practice. For now, I'm not expecting him to play this weekend, but Again, he wasn't placed on IR, so who exactly knows what's going on here? But for now, certainly you don't want to be relying on Julio Jones in the short term. Joe Burrow was released from the hospital last night, and he should be absolutely fine after suffering that throat contusion. Tom Pelissero reported that Justin Fields should be good to go for Week 6 after hyperextending his knee in Week 5. And Kyle Shanahan says that Trey Lance has a sprained left knee that could cause him to miss some time. Remember, the 49ers have a bye coming up here in Week 6, but... Chances are that Jimmy Garoppolo anyway is going to be under center in Week 7. The Dolphins are hopeful that Tua Tungavailoa can practice this week, which is a great sign. And Bruce Arians said that Rob Gronkowski is, quote, very close to returning from his rib injury. Remember, the team, though, plays on Thursday night here, so he's likely going to be a game-time decision, but at the very least, we will know early in the week. Also note that Tom Brady suffered a minor thumb injury in Week 5, but by no means is it expected to keep him sidelined on Thursday. Jarvis Landry ran on Monday, but the team is not sure yet if he's ready to come off IR when he's eligible. Damian Harris is day-to-day with a chest injury. Now, tests have reportedly ruled out anything significant, whatever that means, but we're still not sure on his status yet for Week 6. Curtis Samuel is week-to-week with a groin injury, as we said yesterday. You can go ahead and drop him at this point. It's unlikely that he's going to be playing anytime soon. Quintus Cephas broke his collarbone last week, which is potentially season-ending and the Seahawks activated Gerald Everett from the reserve COVID-19 list. All right, let's get to my top 10 waiver wire pickups for week six. Remember, these are players that are rostered in under 60% of leagues. Let's start number 10 with Hunter Henry. 
Henry is just the tight end to roster in New England. 19 targets over his last three games, two touchdowns. Jonu Smith is just being asked to block a ton, and the Patriots don't really have any other horses here. Henry ran 25 routes against the Texans. Smith ran eight. It's not an elite offense for a tight end, but with Henry the guy there now, he's at least worth a pickup. At number nine, let's stick with the Patriots and talk about Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson was active for the first time in about a month on Sunday, and he didn't do much with it, 11 carries for 23 yards, but the fact that he got 11 carries after being inactive for several games says a lot. Yeah, they all came when Damian Harris was out of the game, but still, we can now at least conclude that Stevenson would be the direct beneficiary if something were to happen to Harris. And remember, Harris is banged up. We just talked about it. Yes, he escaped significant injury, apparently, but we still don't know that he's going to be 100% or even able to suit up this week against Dallas. Also, remember, Harris lost another critical fumble in this game, so it's not as if he's definitely on rock-solid footing or anything. Stevenson is a worthy stash, though probably not one that you can start immediately. At number eight, let's stick with the running back position and talk about Khalil Herbert. It was thought to be the Damian Williams show against the Raiders, and it was in part, but Herbert rumbled 18 times for 75 yards. He actually outsnapped Williams, and he had more carries. Now, this was a game where the Bears needed to rely heavily on the running game, and when they did, it was basically Herbert and Williams at an equal level. Really, all this makes Williams just less valuable, but it also means that Herbert at least needs to be rostered on fantasy teams. At number seven, let's talk about Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, St. Brown had not produced much early on in the year, but over the last two games, he has seen 16 targets and reeled in 13 of them for 135 yards. As the Lions' offensive line has gotten more and more banged up and TJ Hawkinson's production has waned, the receivers for Detroit had been stepping up a bit, and that begins with St. Brown. Now, a couple of good games from my Lions receiver really isn't a big deal, but now Quintus Cephas is likely gone for the year, as we said, and that should only open up more targets. St. Brown had a plausible path to fantasy relevance at the start of the season, and it looks like we may be seeing it come to fruition. At number six, it's Samaj P. Ryan. Joe Mixon was surprisingly, and to most fantasy managers, probably annoyingly, active on Sunday against the Packers. Now, Mixon saved his fantasy value with the touchdown, but it was P. Ryan who dominated the snaps, the work, and the production. Now, maybe the team was just being careful with Mixon. Maybe they had game planned for P. Ryan all week, so they stuck with it. But it might be that P. Ryan has now carved out a bigger role here for himself. Sunday's performance also surely means, at the very least, a more secure insurance policy role for him than he had before, and if Mixon does go down with an injury again, which would not be shocking, of course, given his history, then Piran would likely have strong value. Now, he was added to the COVID-19 reserve list, but as of this recording, I just don't know the status. Has he actually tested positive for COVID-19? Is he vaccinated? For now, he hasn't yet been ruled out for week six, but either way, he is worth a pickup. At number five, it's our old friend Rondell Moore. We talked about Moore so many times on this podcast, but he had a couple of down games, but now nine touches, 97 yards here against San Francisco. He led the team in rushing yards. He played a bigger role, especially in 11 personnel. And with Max Williams likely out for the season, Moore's role is only going to grow. He was a great stash candidate, but he's now someone you can probably start in deeper leagues. At number four, it's Hunter Renfro. Renfro has five or six catches in every single game this year, every one. He has at least six targets in every game. He has at least 45 yards in every game. He has two touchdowns. If you started Renfro in every single game this season as a flex or a wide receiver three in PPR leagues or even half PPR leagues, you're pretty satisfied. 
he remains available everywhere because he's not flashy and maybe he's the third option on his own team, but none of that matters. Everyone wants the guy who is going to win you your league. Who's my league winner? Who's my league winner? You know who your league winner is sometimes? The guy who gets you consistent points week in and week out. He should not be available on the waiver wire in any league at this point. At number three, it's Devontae Booker. We know Saquon Barkley is out at least one week, as we said, which means if you add Booker, you're adding a starting running back for at least one week. Now, there are a lot of downsides here. The Giants face the Rams. Booker isn't particularly good. The Giants' offensive line is poor. None of this is good or screams must-start option or anything, but do a walk around the league and look at running backs and tell me how many you're willing to start over a running back who should get the dominant share of the touches in any game. It's just not that many. Booker may only be a flex for your fantasy team this week, but that's more than worthy of a pickup. At number two, it's Kadarius Tony. Now, Tony himself is battling an ankle injury, but it sounds like he may even play this coming week. We already know Kenny Galladay won't, and Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard have missed the last two weeks, but really with receivers, you're not picking them up as one-week fillers anyway. Running backs, fine. That's a totally good way to do things, but receivers, you really want someone who can help you long-term, and that's what Tony appears to be. He is dynamic with the ball in his hands. They drafted him to be an impact playmaker. We talked about it yesterday, okay? This has the potential to be a long-term wide receiver three or better in the optimal scenario, so he is worth a significant fab investment. And your number one waiver wire pickup of the week is no surprise, it's Daryl Williams. Sometimes the top waiver wire claim isn't obvious, sometimes it is crystal clear, and this is the latter case. With Clyde Edwards-Alaire out for a few weeks, Williams is the only choice to be the top priority pickup. He was starting to cut into Edward Allaire's workload a bit even before the injury. As we said yesterday, he was factoring into the goal line, and he already had two touchdowns. Now, he's not just going to take over like every snap in the backfield, right? Derek McKinnon is there. There are going to be others. But he'll carry the large part of the load, and he's already trusted around the goal line. Every week, we see a savior running back, right? So that's why I'm going to top out here at about 25% of your fab budget. But it will probably take more than that if you want to bring him in. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks again to TickPick. Remember, download the app, use the code PROS, get $10 off your first order when you select Zip at checkout. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm.